0: Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19 verse 13, I want to share with you along the subject. Does the devil know who you are, or are you any threat to the devil? Look at verse 13. A team of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out spirits, tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus. The incantation they used was this, I command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But when they tried it on a man possessed truly by an evil spirit, the spirit spoke back, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? The Bible then goes on to say, "They leaped on them, attacked them with them, attacked them with such violence that they fled out of the house, naked and badly injured." The story, verse 17 says, it spread quickly all throughout Ephesus, to the Jews and Greeks alike. And a solemn fear descended on that city. And the name of the Lord Jesus, was greatly honored. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm convinced that we may think we have this thing all figured out, that we got it all worked out. And we know exactly how to judge or critique or look at everything. But I'm not so sure when we come to a passage like this, Whether you be a pastor or a preacher or a deacon or a mom or a teacher or a dad, a youth or a believer, I'm just not so sure that we got this thing as figured out as much as we, we think we do. Why did demons know who Paul was? Was it because that Paul was stoned not drug-wise. Was it because he, was, he, had, he bore in his body physical stripes? Was it because he was imprisoned or shipwrecked? Paul was even snake-bitten and delivered. And was that the reason that the demons knew him? Now, I'm convinced some of the demons may know us, but maybe in a little bit different way. Maybe joining hands with them. Partying with them a little bit. But Paul didn't do that. Paul stood in the area of truth. You see, Jesus and Paul had such a relationship on an intimate basis that hell knew that they were a, they were a, a, they influenced hell in that there were people that heard Paul. People that heard Jesus, and they were affected. As a matter of fact, they didn't end up in hell because they did listen. I- I'm convinced around here, if you end up in hell, it's not because you're not hearing the truth. It's just because you don't want to listen. I'm not talking about listening to my voice. I'm not talking about praying a simple prayer. I'm talking about hearing the voice of God speak to you and beckon you to his call. That's what I'm talking about. Paul knew what that was all about. Now, what is it that makes the nerve, I mean, what makes you nervous? I, I know <clears throat> when, used to, when my kids would get on the stage and they singing in children's church doing something, that sort of made me nervous. Because I knew they were going to do something that typical little boys do. Now, when it's your grandkids, you, you hope they do cut up a little bit because here's what you say, boy, ain't that so, ain't that so cute? But now it wasn't cute when it was my kids because I I knew that y'all look at that different. But the fact of it is, we ought to know that there are things that make the devil nervous. What is that? Well, I think a committed Christian is somebody who makes the devil nervous. Who is that? A committed Christian are those who are sold out, washed in the blood, filled with the spirit, and schooled in the word. Committed Christians get the attention of the demons and the devil in hell. Praying Christians make the devil nervous. Now, I'm not talking about for you that say God is great, God is good, and I'm not trying to belittle that. But I'm talking about when you pray, you know that heaven's doors are open and that he's hearing you and that he has your attention. You have his attention and God's hearing you. I'm going to tell you something. There, I know some people that I I don't ask just everybody to pray for me because I know some of you, prayer's not getting there. You say, that's judgmental. No, that's just experience. I've had some people pray for me, and boom! Now, it wasn't always the answer I was looking for, but the answer came. Forgiving Christians make the devil nervous. What are those? Colossians 3, Paul says, verse 13, forbearing one another, forgiving each other, One, each other. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. United Christians. United we stand and divided we fall. People who stick together. Now, what I've learned around here is is through the 30 years that I've been here, and I can only tell you what I see, people who have private agendas, they don't hang around here very long. Now, I'll tell you what my private agenda is. It's to honor Jesus. It's to honor him above all and give him the glory. Not man, not not a group, not one ministry over the other, but honor Jesus. Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. John said in chapter 8, verse 44, from the very beginning, Satan was a liar. Now, Christians that run around lying, gossiping, not telling you the truth. They may sound good, look good, smell good, but they ain't acting in inwardly good. We've all met Christians who think of themselves just a little bit more highly of themselves than they are. They think they know the Word of God better than you. They know the will of God better than you. They know the walk of God better than you. They know the worship of God better than you. And they know the witness of God. And, and on it goes. And they don't mind telling you. And they'll post it on Facebook. Now, I can freely say that because I don't have uh, Facebook. But I'm not going to brag on man, You know what I've learned about bragging on men? Is they let me down. They stick me in my a knife in my back. You don't brag on men. Now, you, it's nothing wrong with encouraging. There's not, nothing wrong with acknowledging and, and, and rewarding. But, but to, to follow and to lift up a man, and it's just the man, you're in a dangerous grounds. Because that man is going to let you down. Verse 13 says a, a team of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits and tried to new, use the name of the Lord Jesus. And their incantation or their formula was, I command you by, the, by Jesus and the, and the Paul that I know, come out. I got news for you. That ain't going to do you much good. And by the way, I don't encourage any of you go around casting out demons if you don't know what that's all about. These guys didn't know what it was all about. And we're going to see in a minute what happened to them. But if you do prayer, prayer, in the love that you have for your grandchildren, that the demons stay away, send them to dry ground, my friend. If not, they can go anywhere they want to go. The demon said, Jesus, I know. What did he mean? He meant that by his interaction and experience with Jesus, he knew him. But he used a different word for the word know when he referred to Paul because there he said, I know about Paul. You know what I've learned about human beings? I don't know anybody. I really don't. And I don't technically serve Jesus so I can get so intimately knowledge about you that I'm disappointed. I take you face value. You tell me something, I'm going to accept it. If you tell me a lie, I accept the lie until I see it's a lie. I don't run around trying to dissect, exegete. I don't try to run around to critique everything that you tell me. I'm not going to do that. Matter of fact, if I get my mind on that, I'll get so burdened down and bogged down, I can't move because I get worried about everything. I've learned the only thing i won't get worried about is my bird dogs. And when I get them doing like I want them to do, by golly, I'll have it the way I want it. But I'm not going to worry about you. But I I will pray for you, and I do care about you. But friends that really are your friends stick closer than a brother. They don't leave you stranded. If you fell out of the boat, they're going to help you get back in. That's friends. The seven sons of Sceva. They didn't have any idea about demons. They weren't connected to the same power source that Paul was, that Jesus was. They were just playing games, playing church, following the leading priest that didn't have a clue what he was doing. And he led them into an ambush. First thing I want us to look at is a tragic testimony for a professing believer. Look at it. You see, the devil doesn't mind that you and I talk about Jesus. The devil really doesn't mind that we talk about God. The devil doesn't mind that we just go through motions, whether it be going to church or whatever. Whatever. He don't mind that because you're no threat. It's when you and I get serious, committed, making some impact on the evil world that he gets concerned. When we look at this, we see that Paul evidently was Christ-like. Jesus, we know, must have reflected the Father. They made an impact. The story is told of two men who were met on the street, and one said to the other, have you heard about Harry? He embezzled the company out of half a million dollars. The other man said, man, that's terrible. The first man said, not only did he do that, he left town with Tom's wife with him. The other man said, man, that's awful. The first man said, not only that, he stole a car to make a getaway. He said, man, that's scandalous. The first man said, not only that, they they think he was drunk when he pulled out of town. The other man said, man, that's a shame. The first man said, but really, you know what bothers me? Who's going to teach Sunday school next Sunday in his class? We laugh about that, but do we know who's teaching us? Do you know what you're listening to on TV? Is it sound? Does it really make an impact on hell itself? Look, I I listen to a lot of preaching, and, and my my. my patriarchs is Adrian Rogers. I was listening to him last Sunday week ago. I like to hear Jerry Vines. They're not the greatest orators from the pulpit, but I'm telling you what, they're not going to tell you a lie. Charles Stanley, best I can tell, not going to tell you a lie. And and I can go on and on of men that I grew up and cut my teeth on, and, and gosh, I didn't even know Bailey Smith had passed away, and he's preached in this pulpit. Remember when he preached? The week Katrina hit. Mississippi, he preached to him, and Scott will hear that Sunday. I don't know if you all remember that or not. And now he's with Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I think when it comes to Christians, there are some Christians I don't believe the devil, or at least professing Christians, that the devil's ever heard of. Who are you? What kind of impact? Are you make it on your kids, your grandkids, the people that you work for. Do you even know that, <laughs> that they're looking at every move you make? They're watching everything you do. And yes, none of us are perfect. We never will be until we get to be with Jesus. What a terrible and tragic testimony it would be for any Christian if the devil didn't know who you are or that you don't even care. The devil has no reason to know some Christians. There are those who are singing like a saint on Sunday and cussing like a sailor on Monday. They look like angels on Sunday, but they live like the devils the rest of the week. They have their Bibles in their hand on the Lord's Day, but have a bottle in in it the next. They'll give a tenth on Sunday and buy a fifth on Monday. They're in church on Sunday but in clubs on Friday and Saturday night. It's no wonder that the devil doesn't know who we are if that's our activity. We ought to be different. And we ought to be different not because of religion. We ought to be different because of Jesus because Jesus makes that kind of difference in his people. Turn with me to First John four one. I want you to see something. First John four one. Better get in first John first. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God and not man. For there are many false prophets in this world. This is the way to find out if they have the Spirit of God. If a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ became a human being, that person has the Spirit of God. If a prophet does not acknowledge Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. You've heard that he's going to come into the world and that he's already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won your fight with these false prophets because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. In 1978... I was doing a little math earlier, about four thirty this morning. I was twenty-five years old. That means I was twenty-four when I got married, nineteen seventy-eight. A man hit the same scene named Jim Jones. Y'all remember him? Jim Jones had the members called the People's Temple in San Francisco, California. He led some of them, some of, of many of the members, to, to follow him to Guyana or Guiana where in November the 18th, 1978, he led more than 900 people to commit suicide by drinking Kool-Aid. Poison Kool-Aid. You think, how could people be so dumb to let a man lead you astray? Well, there's one thing I can say about that. Jesus wasn't leading them. I don't know the condition, spiritual condition of those 900. I don't know. But all I know is if they didn't know Jesus, they're in hell today. John says, test the spirit. Test them and see if they actually come from God. You know, there are men who, in my opinion, they put themselves up a little higher. I've had preacher friends. There's preachers out throughout this land that make themselves a little bit above the average person. I got news for you. I don't live there. If I could preach to you and see you eyeball to eyeball, not that I have a low self-esteem, but I surely wouldn't be on this stage. And several times, I almost fallen, fell off. In a funeral, I did. I hit my knees on that bottom floor, and that was the most embarrassing thing. I, I was younger then, and I bounced up and th- I hope nobody saw me. Now, I just collapse and crumble. I've learned that through just the, just being here, just being here 30 years, that I have faced as a pastor challenging offenses. Now, I, I, everybody knows that if you're in the ministry, you live in a glass house. My kids live in a grass, glass house. My grandkids live in a glass house. And if you can't handle that kind of heat, don't go in the ministry. If you don't want to be talked about, criticized, critiqued, condemned, if you don't want to be lied about, you say, Mike, that actually happens. Are you that naive? You know, I know there's some people that if you talk about somebody's grandkids, they fall apart. They're ready to fight. I'm not going to fight you. My grandkids can do that. I just have to pray for you. Now, if you hurt my grandkids, if you hurt my family, I hope that everybody feels that way, that you would stand up and protect your family. I hope you're not that weak. But you know what? There's a verse in the Scripture that says, in Acts 24, verse 16, in the King James Version, you need to memorize this verse. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense. Now, I'm not talking about a fence around the yard. I'm talking about an offense against you toward God and toward men. You know what that means? That means if somebody hurts your feelings, if somebody talks by, behind your back, it's not your job to take offense. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's not easy, is it? I think I got a house full of people in here that are real sensitive. And don't tell me, and ladies, I know that men are sensitive. Sometimes men are more sensitive than women. It's just that the way it is, and and, and, we, and, and you can push our button sometimes quicker than you can push the, a button of a lady. Some of you ladies are tougher than us, but you ain't that tough because words do hurt. Are you hearing me now? Comments, critiques, criticism, it hurts if you're a school teacher and somebody walks up and you say, "Why are you so? Why are y'all my kids so bad?" And, and you know that if they had to teach their kid all day long, they'd be on that child that bad. But see, we're not going. Parents aren't going to look at it like that. They're going to come after you. And if you think life is a playground, I wished I could have lived under the rock up to this point that you've lived under because I hadn't been able to live there. A young man climbed a wall, and all he was going to do is get a picture. (laughs) On the way up the wall, he pulled four muscles in his knee, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, if your knee had just been disciplined, conditioned, you wouldn't hurt it, but because that those muscles in your knees had not been conditioned, you 're hurt now. Can I tell you something that i 've learned from experience when I get to the depths? of depression or discouragement. Do you know what I realize? When things don't go my way, or when college I didn't pass a test, or when I didn't lead the person that I thought I was going to lead to the Lord and they laughed at my face, or when a friend, I thought, just walks out of your life. No explanation, like it 's not supposed to hurt. My question is, what do you do with that it 's pretty clear, according to Paul, in first corinthians ten thirteen remember that the temptation that comes in your life are no different from what others experience. Uh, For God is faith. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. I wanna I wanna share with you a statement. Our degree of maturity will determine how well we'll handle an offense with any injury that comes that way. What are you talking about, Mike? I'm talking about your spiritual muscles to handle people who don't do what they, you want them to do. That's why we have women battered shelters. I don't know too many men's shelters. They just get beat up or go to jail. But we have women's battered shelters. That's why we have people walking around carrying offenses for years against people that you haven't released. And they've released you a long time ago. If something comes against us, and it's affecting us and hurting us and, and, and uh, it's, it's paralyzing us. You have a spiritual muscle that's out of shape. And that, my friend, is your opportunity to grow up. Sometimes I'm sure... We don't come to this altar and pray, God, let something bad in my life happen so I can just grow up. I don't pray those prayers. I don't run around praying that Cindy will disagree with me about something so we can have an argument and make up. I don't pray those prayers. I like the other kind of makeups. So I don't like the ones that come after arguing. I probably am right to say, if anybody understands what I'm talking about today, you've been hurt. You've been affected. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you haven't forgiven that person yet. Let me read an important scripture to you. Matthew 8, 18, 1850. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between him and you alone. If he hears you, you've gained a brother. What is the purpose of that verse? I believe that purpose of that verse is reconciliation. But listen to me. Don't you dare go ask for forgiveness or his forgiveness. If you haven't dealt with it in your heart first, don't you do that. That's spiritual arrogance. That's pride. And God won't bless that. If you can't turn that person loose, that's hurt you, that's done something wrong against you, don't you dare go. You're going to stir up. The same thing that the seven sons of Scevas stirred up, and I promise you, they're going to come on you like a bad cold. Oh, Mike, you don't believe in demons. Yes, I do. I have to believe in them if I believe in Jesus. I have to believe that there's an all, a force against me if I'm standing on the side of Jesus. I got to believe that. What I don't have to do is let the demons use me. I don't have to do that. You see, this story, the scripture said, that the demons jumped on the non-believers. <laughs> but I'm telling you today that demons, are doing everything they can to stop you from what you need to do spiritually for your life. If you're under the sound of my voice today and God has sidelined you, or not God, but the enemy or or your own self has sidelined you, you don't care whether or not you ever read the Bible anymore, you don't care whether you pray, you don't care. It's just if you go to church, fine, if not, fine. If you don't care anything about that, just know, You're being defeated. And while they may not be jumping on you the way they jumped on here, they're on you like a a bee on clover. And don't think that you can pay homage or that you can tithe your way out or that you can... uh, uh, Serve your way out. Look, the devil would love for you just to serve. You can serve in the flesh, but you can't pray in the flesh and get anything done. You can do a lot of things in the flesh, but there's just some things you can't do. And you can't forgive in the flesh. You've tried. And there's, there's people uh, connected around this church for the last 30 years that, that have been offenses that go way back and you bear those in your bones and, and they, they fester and they brew and they become bitter. When the Bible says, in Jesus, forgive. Terry used to say this all the time when me and him be talking about somebody done made us mad. And he said, Terry, or, Terry said, Mike, you know what Jesus said? I said, no, go ahead and tell me, Terry. I was mad. I didn't even think straight. He'd say, Jesus was dying on the cross. First of all, unto those that accused him, he said not a word. And to the second, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know what that meant? Jesus forgave you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You can walk around and hold resentment. You can hold all these past things that have happened to you as long as you want until you have anger management, until you have all kinds. But if you would just let it go and drop it, I don't don't know who it was. I don't want to tear my notes up. I'll do this. One preacher on this stage, I can't even remember who, some of you may remember who said this and did this. He said, this is your offense. Now, what do I do with it? I want to hang on to it. I want to whoop somebody. That sounds like a country song. But what am I supposed to do with it? I'm going to read one more important verse to you, and then I'll hush. If I can find it. The scripture says that you and I, in Matthew 5 44, Jesus said this love your enemies. Did you hear that? Love your enemies! Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And I want to close with this little illustration. 43-year-old man named John Bingham was 240-pound self-described couch potato. Fat, didn't care about doing anything. But now, he writes the runner's world column, jogs and marathons with our other athletes. What changed this couch potato into a successful runner? Mr. Bingham said to succeed, I had to first of all make the journey from the sofa to the starting line. Ladies and gentlemen, I may be speaking to some couch potatoes. God wants to use you. God wants to to be an impact on hell through you. But the devil don't know who you are because you're a couch potato. you satisfied. It don't matter whether anybody gets saved or not. But you've been sidelined. Oh, you know Jesus, and then maybe you don't, but either through bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, whatever bad spirit, bitter, critical spirit that you have, you got to take that to the starting line. Get off the couch of your self-pity. And go to running with Jesus. This verse and I'm done. Hebrews 12:1 Let us run with the patience, the race that is set before us. That, the word patience is perseverance. It's encouraging us to stay in the race. Get involved. Haven't we been couch potatoes? Long What excuse are you using with your heads bowed?